Um, time, time out, Todd. Hi, cat. Lizzie tried to turn you into a baby. <laughs> like, with a magic wand or what? Yes. With a time turner? So... Lizzie she has a time turner and she tried to turn into a baby. And threatened to turn you back into a baby kit? Is that what's wrong? And that made you scared or what? Well, I actually did it to him. It made you a little scared? All right. I need you both to go out because I'm still recording, but Lizzie, don't turn your brother into a baby with your time turner. <laughs> Okay, don't worry. Words. You're still a big boy. What's the harm? <laughs> What's the harm? Greater words of wisdom were never spoken. <laughs> don't turn your brother into a baby with time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's the, an edit point, Andrew. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. This week we are looking at Hazel from the 1972 novel, Watership Down. I'm Joseph Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. How are you doing, Todd? I am well. We've been going through this heat wave, and my goodness, it has been hot. And my wife and I both realize that when we are really, really hot and uncomfortable, uh, we both get very irritable. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough few days. It's a good thing that doesn't compound and escalate quickly. Uh, yeah, certainly. <laughs> we we don't have air conditioning in our house except for in one in our bedroom. So I've been spending a lot of time in my bedroom <laughs> working on my bed. It is hot. All right. Well, listeners, today we are talking, as I said, about Watership Down. This was written by Richard Adams and published in 1972. And uh, Todd, how did you first come to Watership Down? I have heard the name Watership Down many times in my life. I always assumed that it was a boring... I don't know why I thought this. I thought it was a boring book about a ship that sinks. <laughs> And it turns out uh, it has nothing to do with that. Um, yeah. So this listeners, this episode is brought to you brought brought to you by listener Tommy. He's a patron of ours, and he requested. I guess you could say bot. You could say bot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he requested that we do this novel, and I got a great text from Todd as he, he started the novel. Uh, he said, "I just realized this book is about buddies." <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was, I, I'm really, I, I really like it when I can read a book that I know absolutely nothing about and, and I don't read the dust cover or anything. I just sort of dive in and there, there is a bunny rabbit on the front of the book that, uh, that I got the copy, but uh, apparently that wasn't enough of a clue for me. And it took me a couple of pages before I realized, I think, I think this whole entire book might just be about rabbits. <laughs> So I had never read this until it was requested by listener Tommy, and but I, but I knew it was about rabbits because at some point in my youth I had caught on TV uh, a snippet of a horrifying animated version of the story. Now I don't know if the whole thing is really horrifying. I think I may have just seen a scary part with the evil rabbit 
uh, from the film that looked frightening. Uh, but I pretty quickly switched it off <laughs> to something else. And uh, way back when, when we did a uh, an episode about weird children's entertainment, we might have been able to include that animated version of this story. I loved the novel, but I'd have to go back and revisit that film to see if it's really as weird as my memory tells me it was. Today's podcast, besides being brought to you by Tommy, is brought to you by Audible.com, and you can get a free audiobook, which includes Watership Down. Correct, Todd? That is available on Audible.com. Yes, and it's beautiful. It's a, it's beautifully read. I really, really enjoyed the, uh, the audio version of Watership Down. So if you are interested in this story after hearing us talk about it, you could go to audibletrial.com slash protagonist and sign up, and you can choose any book from their selection and get that one for free. And there are over 180,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, or your MP3 player. So uh, a little bit of trivia about Watership Down. This was Richard Adams' first novel. And Todd, do you think this was published immediately by the first publisher that read it? No. Did you have an introduction in your book that talked about the the uh, the publishing – I mean the writing process for this book? No. No. So you may be able to add to the trivia. I did not have that. Yeah. So apparently he was um, – he would tell his children stories before they went to bed. I think he had – uh, daughters, like a couple of daughters. Yeah, I think it's two daughters is what I had come across. And so one of his daughters uh, told him one night, we want you to tell us a story, but we want you to make up the story. And he was like, well, okay. So he started telling the story about rabbits. And then the girls would kind of help him, and he would ask them what he thought, what they thought would happen. And then he got really into rabbits and apparently read this uh, a book called The Secret Life of Rabbits. That's like a, like a biology book. Uh, that's all about uh, about rabbits, um, and he he did this whole thing, and then uh, he, he did it in his head, and then he was he was reading a story to his daughters one night, and he said, "This is terrible. I could write way better than this person." So he sort of <laughs> like threw the book across the room and decided that every night after dinner he would write and then read what he had written to his daughters, and that is what turned into this book. And then he tried to publish it, and nobody would <laughs> nobody would publish a book about rabbits because. They thought it was too. It was it was written in a style that was too grown up for children, uh, and that no adults would want to read an adventure story about rabbits. Right, and uh, so it was rejected by multiple publishers. But it finally was published. It immediately became an international bestseller and won multiple awards. And it's never been out of print since 1972, and I can't imagine that it ever will be. This is <laughs> so uh, this is a trend. Uh... <laughs> That we've seen in many of the novels that we've talked about for particularly first time authors that yeah. rejection, 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 then it's breakthrough and it's well received. And I think it just is a little bit of hope to everyone who has received a rejection letter for anything that they've written yeah. that maybe you just haven't had the, the right set of eyes to see it yet. Yeah, it's a it's a great man. The book is awesome. Uh, a couple other bits of trivia. It uh, was adapted into a film in 1978, an animated film. That's the one I saw a snippet of on TV and that I thought was frightening. But again, I was a child and I have not seen any of it since then. So maybe it is a wonderful, glorious film. I don't know. Uh, but there was also a uh, Canadian BBC co-production of uh, like three-season uh, TV show about Watership yeah. Down. Apparently Stephen Fry did one of the voices in there. So that automatically makes it interesting. It seems like a like a longer series. It might work, you know, like a three like a three season. Yeah, you you don't extend it past the end of the book because it's mm -hmm. a long book. So this is a kids book, but it's kind of like a a fifth book Harry Potter kids book. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's it's the writing. It's written in a style that feels certainly grown up. Okay, so listeners, if you haven't caught on yet, this is a story about rabbits, and they are anthropomorphized ish <laughs> by that i mean they uh they have a language we they, they have a community they have uh you know po- political structures are in place there's mythology they tell stories and all these other things but they're not like walking around in clothes or anything it's not like they're human like rabbits they're just regular rabbits they just we are now privy to all of their communications that happen and this is the adventure of a group of rabbits who have to leave the war and where they're living and have quite the tale that happens to them as they try and find a new safe place where they can live nice um i would say two things the author says in the introduction that he wanted to make a story about rabbits and he wanted the rabbits to be able to speak and to think but to but not to be able to do anything else that a normal rabbit would be able to do uh, and his source of inspiration was the jungle book oh so, okay so the rabbits right so they they won't use uh weapons they're not like Mickey mouse running around or right they they're they're little rabbits yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting <laughs> to think of this uh but my goodness it it turns into quite a tale yeah so. i like i said i had never read it and i was really i, I liked it quite a lot it was it was so good um, i was and, telling my scouts about it at scout camp yeah uh, and they would say like what are you reading and i said well i'm reading the story about rabbits and they're like really about rabbits and i said yeah it's actually pretty good and i was telling them the story as i was reading it so like each each time we'd get together for a meal i'd tell them you know, a little bit more that I had read and they were totally sucked into it. All these teenage boys thought the story was fascinating. Yeah. I was way more sucked into it than I expected to be. I thought it would just be kind of like a pleasant story. It's okay. It's not just a pleasant story. There's some darkness um, (laughs) to, to watership down. Uh, But I really got, uh, you know, pulled into the adventure. Like uh, it was one of those where you, you finish the chapter and you're kind of like, I need to know what happens next. (laughs) So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely kept going. You ready? Yes. And so here is the full spoiler synopsis. If you want to pause this and go read or listen to that free audible uh, version, now is your chance. But from here on out, full spoilers are are going to be revealed. Okay. So this story begins with two rabbits and their brothers. Uh, one's name is Hazel and the other is Fiverr. And Fiverr is a runt, uh, but he seems to have a knack for sensing danger. And on this particular beautiful May evening, Fiverr suddenly uh, has this premonition that something terrible is going to happen to their warren. A warren is like a, a, a pack of rabbits. And so something terrible is going to happen, and they have to leave. Uh, Fiverr convinces Hazel uh, to take him to the chief rabbit to request that they evacuate all of the rabbits from the area. And the chief rabbit says, this is crazy, <laughs> and it's not going to happen. So Hazel and Fiverr meet up with a couple of their friends, and they decide uh, that it's time for them to leave. Bigwig who is one of the chief's rabbits, uh, and uh, there, there's a guard, like the chief's guard. They're called Ausla, and uh, Bigwig is from the Ausla. I can say, comes... Todd, I am, I'm very relieved that you get to pronounce all the rabbit words <laughs> this time instead of me. <laughs> so he comes and tells them that he has left the guard, and he is willing to ha- follow Hazel and Fiverr. Uh, he was kicked out because he was the guard that let Hazel and Fiverr in to talk to the to the chief rabbit and he, the chief rabbit got really mad at bigwig and bigwig was like fine i'm out of here so he goes with hazel and fiverr and says i'll go with you guys um so they uh they decide it's time for them to leave the warren 
and then they break up and decide to go and try to convince as many other rabbits as they can uh, to get them. They get a rabbit named uh, Blackberry. They get one named Dandelion. Uh, they get a couple named. Uh, they get one named Silver. They get Buckthorn. So these are all uh, bucks or male rabbits. Um, so later that night, all these rabbits get together. Um, they're pretty nervous, but Fiverr and Hazel they seem pretty calm. They're happy to see that along with Bigwig, he's got that Bigwig got a couple of other bigger, stronger rabbits to join them. Uh, then three more of the chief rabbits' guard appear and order the arrest of Bigwig and Silver, who is also from the Ausla. And a fight breaks out, and Hazel's group wins. And Hazel tells them uh, to leave or they will be killed. And this is where it turns uh, like kind of like dark. I'm like, whoa, Hazel, that's <laughs> kind of intense. It feels almost like a, like a Lawrence of Arabia kind of moment. Like, you get out of here or we will kill you. And so those rabbits leave to go get more of their buddies. And Hazel says, I think it's time for us to check out. So the rabbits move out of the warren and they go out into the night. Um, and ev- eventually Hazel takes them into this dangerous forest. And then sometime before dawn, uh, they decide that they have gone far enough and that they must rest now. And Hazel asks Dandelion to tell them a story. And Dandelion becomes sort of the storyteller of, the, of this little group. And I'm not going to go into detail, but uh, often he will tell these stories about this mythical rabbit uh, called Elahrera who is like the, I don't know, he's this great mythical rabbit uh, who is always playing tricks on on people and uh, kind of getting his way. At one point, uh, doesn't it say that humans call this rabbit Br'er Rabbit? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when, when Dandelion's story ends, this dog-like creature shows up, and they all run like crazy until they come up against a small river, and they're all too tired to swim, but they also realize that on the other side there's a meadow, uh, and it's nighttime is coming, and uh, so then Bigwig says, "Well, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna swim across it and see what's on the other side." He swims across and he sees that there's a dog on their side of the river. So he swims back and says, "Guys, there's a dog. We have to get across this river." So Blackberry, who's <laughs> really really smart, he gets uh, Pipkin and Fiverr, who are too who are too small and too tired to swim this river. And when I say river, it's like a, a kind of a largish stream. Like maybe <laughs> yeah. 12 feet across. And they look at it like it's this impossible obstacle. Uh, but they, they, uh, Blackberry gets Pipkin and Fiverr up onto a, a little piece of wood and floats them across. And, uh, and then everybody makes it across and they, um, they, they find this kind of peaceful meadow. And then ha- Hazel finds a, a bean field. They have a close encounter with a crow. And then finally they rest. Uh, next day they start up again. They come across more trials. Hawkbit, who is one of the one of the rabbits in the group, he kind of tries to rebel. But Bigwig, it turns out, he cows them into submission. And initially, there's some debate about who will be the leader of this group. And Hazel is the leader by by the nature of having been the one whose idea it is to leave the to leave the Warren. But Bigwig, Hazel is worried that Bigwig will think that he should be the leader because he's the biggest and the strongest. But when Bigwig sees Hazel's leadership in the crossing of the stream incident, uh, Bigwig kind of defers leadership to him and becomes sort of this awesome, like, right-hand man to Hazel. Uh, so Bigwig gets these other uh, rabbits into into submission. Um, then Fiverr points out some hills in the distance, and he says that's where they have to go. 
but it's really far away. And Hazel doesn't think they're going to be able to make it, but they, they decide to try. They strike out again. They cross more scary terrain. Uh, then finally, Hazel thinks they can't go any further, and then they come across another beautiful field. And they're all, uh, all uh, by this point, all of the rabbits are like, man, this Hazel guy, he is a really great leader. Um, <laughs> they decide to settle into the meadow. They dig a couple of kind of makeshift burrows. And then uh, a strange rabbit shows up, and he tells them that he's part of a big, a big warren, and he invites Hazel's group to join them. Hazel and his group are kind of suspicious, but ultimately they, they decide to check things out, and Fiverr is not happy about this. He's, he knows where their promised land is, and this is not their promised land. Uh, but they go and they check out things in this new warren. The, they have this great new burrow, the, a great burrow, and everyone's so nice, and everything looks perfect, but Hazel has this feeling, he can't shake this feeling that everything is not as it seems. He, he, and in one of what I think is one of the most beautiful, like poetic lines, he says that all of these rabbits feel like trees in November, like there's something kind of sad and and like dying about them. It's I don't know. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I remember um, that line. He notices that every time he tries to ask a question that begins with the word "where," he is cut off. Um, the next day, the rabbits all go out, and Cowslip, who is who is the kind of showing them around this new warren. He shows uh, Hazel the secret of their success, and it's that they fi- they feed off of a garbage pile that the humans leave out. So they live pretty close to a, a human farm, and the humans leave a big garbage pile, and these rabbits go and they eat all the carrots, and they're like, oh, we get all the carrots and lettuce that we want. And so all these rabbits are like big and fat, and they look really healthy, and they smell like like aristocracy <laughs> because, they, <laughs> because they get to eat um, like human – they get to eat carrots, which is like a total delicacy for, for rabbits. Uh, and that by now, Hazel is like, man, this place is awesome. We don't have to forage for food. We're not in danger of any uh, enemies. Uh, this is great. But Fiverr just keeps insisting that something is wrong. Uh, night comes, and the rabbits all join in this great like great hall uh, underneath this hill. Um, and then Dandelion tells a story, and then one of the rabbits from this warren, he tells a story... And then Fiverr just goes bananas and runs away. <laughs> and he can't convince Hazel and Bigwig that there's a problem. And so he says, if you guys won't believe me, then I'm just going to leave on my own because this place is not safe. And then Bigwig gets really mad at Fiverr, and he stomps away, and he's immediately caught in a, in a wire snare. And it almost kills him. The other rabbits come, and they, they help him to get free, but he's pretty ba- badly wounded. And then Fiverr tells them... The, the truth about this place that has kind of been revealed to him or that he's partly uncovered. Um, and it turns out that this great Warren is a place where uh, the men from the farm have cleared all of the enemies uh, away from this rabbit Warren. And they set wires all around and they just snare the rabbits like one here, one there. It's essentially a giant hutch. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a concentration camp or something. It's really uh, kind of terrifying. And the other rabbits know it, and they know that their people are dying, but they're also reproducing, and so they it's just kind of this untold uh, reality of the yeah. place that they live in. The unspoken darkness. The unspoken like, no one darkness. wants to talk about it. Right. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that at any point, if you go out of the burrow, you could be snared and killed. But this is it's a, a total place of death. And so they all leave, and Strawberry, who is one of the fat rabbits, he asks if he can come along, and they agree. Now we're into uh, part two. Uh, Hazel and his friends, they, they travel on, and now they're like this polished machine. 
Like they're they're this great unified team. They all know each other. They all know their role in the group, uh, and they work together and survive. And it's really kind of beautiful and remarkable the way that they work together. Um, and finally, they reach this place called Watership Down. It's high up above this cliff. It's beautiful, safe, high ground with short grass. And there are even some uh, abandoned rabbit holes there. And like this is the promised land, their home. These uh, The abandoned rabbit holes that they found aren't big enough to really sleep in. So they, di- they decide that they have to do the women's work of actually digging burrows. And at first, they're not really excited about this, but they realize they don't really have any other options. So they start digging through the day. And then in the night, they gather... Um, in this ditch, and they try to sleep, uh, and then they hear this terrible sound of a wailing rabbit, and Hazel goes to investigate, and he finds Holly, and Holly was the captain of the Ausla in their original Warren, um, and he's totally bloodied. He's in he's in a daze. They take him in, um, and they keep burrowing the next day, and then um, Hazel helps a mouse escape from a hawk that's hunting, um, and the mouse promises to help Hazel if he never needs it, if he ever needs it. Um, and now Holly's feeling better, and he and Bluebell, who's another rabbit from the home war and who's with him, they tell their their group uh, the story of how they how they came to be in this position. Uh, it turns out that just a couple of days after Hazel and his group left, uh, men came to the Warren and they they basically bulldozed the place to build houses or something, some kind of development. Um, they poured poison gas down the holes and killed all of the rabbits, and Holly just barely escaped with Bluebell. And basically all of the other rabbits from their warren were killed and skewered. And then a backhoe came and dug up the entire field. Um, And the rabbits, they say, were massacred simply because they were in the way. After some arduous journey, they made it to Cowslip's group, the the group of the rabbits in the the warren where the men hunt them. Um, And those crazy rabbits killed one of Holly's groups, uh, a member of Holly's group. And then Holly and Bluebell just barely make it out by the skin of their teeth and make it to Hazel's group. A day passes, and Holly and Bluebell recover remarkably well. And I, I would just say about these rabbits, they are hardy. And they recover. Like, Bigwig is almost killed. He, I thought he was dead for sure when he got caught in the snare. And then, like, the next day, he's pretty kind of okay. <laughs> they recover yeah. really well. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a, they're, they're kind of like Wolverine that way. Yeah, was exactly. <laughs> they bounce back quick. I was just going to say healing factor. Um, so Hazel encourages all of his friends, uh, to be as friendly as possible to all animals that aren't enemies because they might be helpful in the future. Um, and this turns out to be true, uh, because pretty soon they find an injured black headed gull. So this big, like seagull, uh, is injured on the down. And at first they're terrified by this huge bird that has this ginormous beak that could totally kill them. Uh, but then Hazel encourages them to be friendly to it, and they do, and they nurse it back to health. And and then genius uh, Hazel uh, makes his plan clear. He they will have this bird called Kahi, uh, Kehar uh, fly around and look for another Warren that has does, because <laughs> you may have realized by now uh, this group of bucks uh, they have no does, they have no female rabbits, <laughs> and uh, so they won't last very long. Uh, without them. So they're going to send Kehar out, and he is going to fly around and try to find a, another warren where they, they can find some dose. So when uh, Kehar feels better, he flies out, and he finds this big warren that's two days' journey away. Uh, and Hazel sends Holly, Silver, and Strawberry, and Buckthorn as an envoy to try to bring back some dose from this warren. Uh, the next morning, Hazel wakes up, and he's in a fine mood, and he decides to go to, uh, with Pipkin, who's kind of um, like a... 
Kind of like Fiverr in size. Yeah, he's really small, and he's 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 not really good at anything except he's just terribly faithful to Hazel, <laughs> uh, because Hazel Hazel wouldn't let the other rabbits leave him behind when he was injured and tired uh, on their journey. So they decide to go to a farm that's close by where they had seen that there were a few domesticated rabbits, like rabbits living in, inside of a hutch. So Hazel wants to free them and bring them back. He and Pipkin make it back to the make it to the farm, but the rabbits there they they don't really seem capable of making a decision to go with him, uh, and so they decide to leave again. and um, And he promises Hazel promises these rabbits that he'll be back, and that he'll spring them loose from their cage. Uh, the next night, Hazel and a few others raid the farm. A bigwig fights off a cat. <laughs> like, I never thought of rabbits as being, like, great fighters, but apparently, um, and the author says this, like, a, a big cat, a big rabbit can fight, like, can fight off big animals, like like cats and big birds and stuff. At least bigwig can. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Bigwig fights off a cat and the genius Blackberry, he manages to break the rabbits out of the hutch, uh, but the rabbits are really slow and it's hard to get them off out of the field. Um, Bigwig gets two of them out, but the other two are, par- they're paralyzed with fear and Hazel runs back with Dandelion to get them. And then some men come out with flashlights and Hazel sacrifices himself so that Dandelion and a doe called Haystack can get away. Um, and, and then one of the, one of the hutch rabbits is caught and returned to the pen and Hazel's shot in his leg, and he kind of drags himself to this drain so the men can't find him. And Bigwig and the others return, and they're all totally dejected because they only were able to get, like, one or two does. And they lost Hazel, and Hazel's their, like, fearless leader. Um, and then Silver and his crew return from their mission to get does, and they're all injured, and they, they weren't able to get anybody out of the thing. So total disaster at this point for these poor rabbits. Um, the next night, Fiverr has a dream in which he sees that Hazel is actually alive, so he convinces Blackberry to go back towards the farm uh, to look for Hazel. Um, Blackberry concedes, and then they find Hazel barely alive in the storm drain, and they're able to get him back to the ranch, or to back, to the, back to the Warren. Holly tells everybody about their failed mission. It turns out that the rabbits of the, the Warren, where they went to get the does, they're like these crazy Nazi rabbits. <laughs> they wouldn't let anybody <laughs> leave. Um <laughs> They live in lockdown, and they have this, they have this like, dictator leader called um, Woundwart, and uh, Holly and his friends barely escape with their lives. Um, Holly finishes his story. Blackberry returns and tells the group that Hazel's actually alive. Uh, Kehar helps um, to remove some of the buckshot from Hazel's wounded hind leg with his, with his beak, and the rabbits help. They nurse him back to health. Then Hazel tells them they have to go back to Ephrafa, which is the, the warren with the crazy Nazi rabbits. And they have to help some of the does escape, so they're going to go on this like crazy mission into this into the the Nazi rabbit Warren and try to help the does escape. It's so cool. At this point, I was like, "This is the best story." <laughs> uh, it's their only chance for long term survival as a Warren. Um, Holly thinks it's a terrible idea since he was just there and he barely escaped with his life. Uh, but Fiverr surprisingly fiverr the one who's always telling everybody this is dangerous we shouldn't do it he thinks it's a pretty good idea so hazel tells the others that he has a plan but he's not going to tell anyone to protect them if they get caught they won't be able to reveal the plan uh so they're they uh he says holly will stay behind at the warren with strawberry buckthorn and some of the farm rabbits and the rest of them will go and kehar will offer air support so the troop sets off 
Hazel tells Bigwig that his part, uh, th- that he has a special part in this plan, and Bigwig does not like what his part of the plan is. He's really <laughs> nervous. Uh, it's which is really surprising coming coming from Bigwig, who doesn't seem to be afraid of anything. Um, and then in the evening, Dandelion tells him this tale, and when he's done. Uh, one of the rabbits tells them that a fox is coming up the road, and Bigwig just goes after the fox. <laughs> He's like in a bad mood, and he needs to fight something. And so he he chases after the fox, and Hazel's really really mad. Uh, and Bigwig, while he's while he's off chasing this fox, um, the, uh, he runs into an Efferfun patrol, uh, and and actually kind of unwittingly gets them uh, in trouble with the fox, and he escapes. Um, and then. They get closer to Ephrapha. They find a bridge over a big river, uh, and they cross it, and then they, they, they find this boat, and they decide that they're going to do something with the boat, and then, um, and then Bigwig is off uh, on his... So he goes solo into Ephrapha. Um, and then we get lots of background on this, on this rabbit, the dictator rabbit called Woundwort. And then Bigwig shows up, and he tells them that he wants to join the Warren. He wants to join Woundwort's thing. So he's on like a secret. He's a double agent at this point. Bigwig, the double agent rabbit. Yes. Uh, This is so cool. I love this. So he's on this undercover mission, and he ends up joining Woundwort's guard because he's such a big big rabbit and such a good fighter. And uh, he, because he is now part of the guard, he gets his, he gets to sort of have free reign with the, with the does. And he calls one in, and her name is Heisenthray. And she is awesome. I really like her, and she's kind of scared. But she, but he tells her, "I want to break. I want to break some of you does out of here." And she's like, "Okay, let's do it." So they make this plan together. They're going to escape the next day at sundown. K. Har will protect them from the air. Hazel and the others are waiting just beyond this meadow, and they'll help them escape. They'll fight off any rabbits that come to try to get them. Uh, and then and then there's this other uh, rabbit, and I can't remember his name right now, uh, but he is a prisoner. Uh, because he had tried to escape, and so uh, Woundwort is making him an example, and he's just this, like, dejected... It's a uh, black... Uh, oh, what's the rabbit's name? That's... I can't remember. Hold on. I'm sorry. I will check the reasons in my mind. You go on. Okay. I will pipe up with the name of that rabbit in a moment. So, um, Bigwig's getting ready for the next day where he's gonna... They're gonna spring everything, um, and he speaks with Kehar, and he tells him, uh, get ready at sunset... And then uh, he goes out, and he's ready to start the escape. And then Woundwort shows up and says, hey, stop, I need to talk to you. Uh, and so Bigwig goes and talks to Woundwort, and it, it messes up the timing of the plan, and so they can't go that night. So nobody knows what's going to happen now because they weren't able to do their original plan, but Bigwig just tells the does to kind of be ready. And then a big storm is coming, and nothing's going as planned. And then one of the does is arrested because she was she was blabbering about that something big was going to happen, and so Woundwort had her arrested. So Bigwig knows now, like, the game is up, it's now or never, so he goes and tells the does, it's time to go. He runs in and gets this imprisoned rabbit that he that he decided he wouldn't leave without. Todd, I found the name of the rabbit. It What's is Blackavar. Blackavar! That's his name. So Bigwig goes in to get Blackavar, he breaks him out, and then they're running, and Woundwort catches up to them, and then just in the last minute, Kehar comes in and fights off the bad rabbits, and they finally make it to the boat. Hazel cuts the line, and they're all off. So now they're just floating in this boat, and they're like, "Now what do we do?" We're floating <laughs> yeah, this in this is a great moment. Where we're they floating this in a point boat. The plan, the, the plan, and literally like Hazel's like talking with Blackbird. He's like, "Um, so uh, <laughs> how do we steer this thing? I don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> this this is as far as we got in our planning. So they just kind of wait a while, and then the boat gets caught on a bridge. And then Kehar is there with them still, and he tells them that they can swim, make a swim for it. So they do, and they finally make it to shore. Uh, and then Kehar tells them the direction that they can go uh, to get back to Watership Down. And then one of the does dies in the night. Uh, and now they slowly make their way back. Another doe dies from a fox attack, but they have quite a few does with them, so they're okay now. Um, they, they, they're worried <laughs> they were, about... Uh, they were surprisingly, to me, surprisingly blasé about someone dying. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's life for rabbits. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're worried about running into another patrol. Um, they do, but then they, they, they're able to avoid a fight with that patrol, and then they finally make it back to Watership Down, and they're all really happy. Everything looks great. And then Woundwart and his bucks show up. And they are ready to kill all of Hazel's bucks and take back the does. Hazel doesn't know what to do at this point because Woundwart and his rabbits, they are, like, pretty intense. <laughs> They're pretty intense guys. They are a well-oiled fighting machine. Yes. And so Hazel just tells everybody, run into the burrow and stop up all of the holes so that Woundwart and his men will have to dig them out. And that's his only plan, really. <laughs> And so it looks like it's only a matter of time before they'll be defeated. Uh, but then Fiverr starts ranting, and then it looks like he dies, but he kind of falls into a trance. Um, and then Hazel has a stroke of genius, and he makes a plan. And uh, he and a couple of other, uh, uh, is it Blackberry and Dandelion? He and Blackberry and Dandelion, they are able to dig themselves out, and they run to the farm. And the other, the bad rabbits see them, but they're like, nah, it's fine. We, we're not worried about them. We're worried about, like, the, the whole warren. So the plan that Hazel has is to run to the farm and release the dog. And there's a big black dog there. And the plan is we'll, re, we'll cut, we'll chew through the dog's rope, and then we'll, we'll run, and it will chase us, and we'll get to where all these bad rabbits are, and the bad dog, the, the mean dog, will eat up all the bad rabbits. So Hazel chews up the rope. Then Dandelion, who's the fastest, he runs away, and the, and the dog chases him, and he's going to lead him towards Blackberry, and Blackberry's going to do, so they're doing like a relay. And then when the dog escapes, Hazel falls, and, and a cat jumps on top of him, and it looks like it's the end for Hazel. Uh, Woundwort and his men, we, meanwhile, they breach the burrow, and fighting begins, and Bigwig has, has kind of put himself in a position where he can protect all the other rabbits. Uh, they're in like a narrow run, and so Woundwort and Bigwig engage in this like terrible bunny battle. It's awesome. It's like the greatest action scene. Yeah, the descriptions of this just think Rocky. Yes, um, versus Ivan Drago and Rocky Four, but they're rabbits. It's so cool. So like scratching and pawing, and they're using their weight in all kind of interesting ways. It's so cool. It's so well written. Uh, and Bigwig wins. Uh, sort of against all odds, and Woundwort starts to lose credibility because he's never lost a fight. Um, and he sends one uh, the head of his Ausla, Vervain, to go and get Bigwig, but Vervain's like, um, I think I don't really want to go in that <laughs> with with Bigwig. And so then he Fiverr kind of wakes up, and Woundwort tells Vervain, well, why don't you just go after that little rabbit? He's alive and should be easy pickings. So Vervain goes goes to get after Fiverr and Fiverr just goes into like this creepy prophecy mode and tells him in this like uh, scary voice. He says, I'm sorry for your death, <laughs> but you are going to die. And Vervain is just totally unnerved and he bolts. 
Then the dog comes and is upon Wound War and his rabbits. They all scatter. Um, and and so the Hazel and his rabbits win. Uh, and now we're back to Hazel, who was pinned down by the cat. But just as the cat's about to finish him off, this little girl comes out of the farmhouse, and she calls the cat off. She shows Hazel to a doctor, and he says you can't keep him because he'll die if he's in a hutch. So they put him in a, a car, and they drive him back up to the Warren. Um, and Bigwig is now close to death again because he's been fighting all these rabbits. Um, Fiverr and Pipkin are worried about Hazel, and they set off the farm to, for the farm to search for him. When they see him coming up the lane, they're thrilled. And Hazel returns to the Warren. He tells Bigwig that he was brought nearly all the way from the farm in a hrududu, which is uh, the rabbit word for motor vehicle. And Bigwig is like, you're totally lying. There's no way that you came in a car. <laughs> um, and now six weeks later, everything on the down is awesome. The does are all having babies. The Warren is strong. The Efferfans who survived the dog attack have returned to their burrow. And now they're not terrible Nazi rabbits. Uh, they're just regular rabbits. And they're not enemy- enemies anymore of Hazel's Warren. Um, Fiverr has a son who has his uh, gift of prophecy, and in the end, Hazel dies and his spirit is taken up into rabbit heaven. The end. Great summary, Todd, of a very long and tricky book to summarize. All right, let's talk about Hazel some. Yes. Clearly the leader of this group, and I think one of my favorite moments in the whole book is when uh, Woundwort and Bigwig have had their big fight, uh-huh. and Woundwort like, backs away, and he tries to coax big wig out of the tunnel so basically so that they can kill him in the bigger area and his body won't block up the tunnel uh-huh and big wig says no the captain of my my warren told me to protect this tunnel yeah my chief <laughs> and, rabbit and, oh yeah my chief rabbit yeah and, and all the other uh rabbits around war war go there's the chief rabbit because <laughs> <laughs> they all assume that big wig was the chief chief rabbit because in their warren the chief rabbit is the is the biggest and the best fighter Right, and so it has to be Bigwig. <laughs> they panic when they find out. They're like some of them just run away right then when they find right. out. There's how a cheap could there possibly how could there possibly be any rabbit in the world cooler than Bigwig? Which I agree. I like Hazel, but Bigwig is probably my favorite in the whole book. I um, I agree, but it's it's a really slow burn for Bigwig to kind of come into his own, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because initially, I, I was even kind of annoyed with Bigwig, like because Hazel is. And Hazel's worried about Bigwig, like, I hope this big rabbit doesn't try to take control of this this group. And then Hazel is able to show that he can stay calm in the face of uh, danger and confusion. And, and, and the other thing that Hazel does that I think is, is brilliant is that he understands all of the people in the group and he understands what they're good at. And he's able to trust, like, Dandelion, you're the fastest and you're the storyteller. And when people are really nervous, I'm going to ask you to tell a story to calm everybody down. And Blackberry is as smart as Hazel is. Blackberry's smarter. And, I mean, he's so smart that he he recognizes what human writing is. He can't read it, but he knows that it's a way that, that humans leave messages for each other. So Blackberry is super-duper smart, and Hazel totally recognizes that. And he, and he recognizes Bigwig's value, um, and he's worried about Bigwig. But Bigwig, his job is, is to be, like, the best follower possible. And yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think Hazel's greatest strength as a leader is that he's not afraid to ask for advice, uh-huh. which is completely counter to the other ones, the other leaders that we see that are are bad leaders. Yes. Right? So the one at their first Warren who 
when someone else voices a warning, he just completely dismisses it because it didn't come from him. Right. <laughs> you know, he's like, this is ridiculous. You cannot possibly have anything to add to a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, the warn where no questions are allowed to be asked uh, because they're scared to talk about the truth of the way they're living. Yes. Anyone could die from a wire trap at any second, but it's really comfortable to live there because they can they, they they get the lots men. of food dump their yeah their scraps their vegetable scraps real close by and then we have what you call the nazi warren with woundwort who his his whole power structure is built on uh top down no one questioning anything uh and hazel is 100 percent saying what can you add <laughs> tell me what you've got and that includes everything from the rabbits to the the moves that he does that surprise everyone the most because it's so so unlike anything that they've ever known before it's when he saves the mouse and when yes. he says let's help the bird because i don't know how but maybe it'll come back as a benefit for us if we show kindness to these other animals. Yeah. And there's no way that their plan works without Kehar, without this and, big gull. And the the mouse that they saved, uh, that one doesn't come back around until the very end. He, it's the mouse that gives a little warning about there's a bunch of other rabbits hopping around oh, here. Oh, you're right. And that's when they find out that uh, that Woundwort has brought an army with him to try yeah. and attack. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I think it's a fascinating study in leadership. And Hazel, I think, is a really great leader, and he is very—he's pretty open with the with the rabbits that he's with. Like, if you want to come with us, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. Um, but he also has tons of backbone. And in that moment when when Holly shows up to arrest Bigwig at the very beginning, and and they have this fight, and Hazel tells Holly, "You leave, or we kill you." And it's like, wow, there's there's a lot of and there's like a lot of strength in in Hazel. Uh, and he, he falls into that leadership position pretty well, pretty early on. And it, and it's not just that he falls into it. I think he earns it. Like at first there is that kind of murmuring and questioning as to uh-huh. who's really in charge here, but pretty quickly everyone sees, no, it's Hazel. <laughs> yeah. And, and all the rabbits are adding things like Fiverr with his weird visions. That's like off putting to everyone else, but that's what they're really following yeah. are his weird visions, but they need Hazel to kind of, uh, filter, filter it through Hazel's leadership into something that's more acceptable to everyone else. Cause if, if Fiverr tried to lead, <laughs> everyone else would have just been way too put off. Right. Uh, uh, you know, by his oddness. And if uh, Bigwig had tried, uh, there's it's likely there wouldn't have been enough planning. And if uh, was it Blackberry, maybe too much planning. Uh, the, one of the other uh, attributes that Hazel has that the the other uh, rabbits respect and that kind of helps him to solidify his position as a leader is that he is always willing to take risk before anybody else. So if there's if there's a dangerous job that needs to be done, he doesn't send somebody to do it. He goes out and does it himself, and uh, yeah. kind of leads out by example with that. And uh, and I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, and even when uh, there's the moment when uh, is it Holly the the wounded rabbit that's coming from their home war and they think this is uh, like a mythological creature because of the cries. Yes, <laughs> that they he's think giving. it's the black rabbit. The black rabbit is like a yeah, he's another one of those mythical creatures in Dandelion story. And everyone is panicked, and they think they even hear it call Bigwig's name, and Bigwig is like, it called me, I have to go, but he's too scared to go, and Hazel just runs out. He's like, no, I'm going to go find out what's going on. Yeah, Bigwig, so the, the the rabbits, like, the worst thing that can happen to a rabbit is they go Tharn, which is where they go, like, completely paralyzed when you, um, some people who hunt rabbits that have, like, no soul, they, if you shine a light on a rabbit in the night, it freezes. That's called, they call that Tharn, where the rabbit's just paralyzed with fear and it can't move at all. 
Um, and that happens to Big Wig. And, and everyone's like, I mean, it, it's, it has to be a pretty terrifying situation if Big Wig goes crazy. Uh, but he does with fear on the night that Holly comes. And, and Hazel is able to keep his head and he says, I'll go check it out. And, and he does. And it's one of, of many moments when Hazel shows everybody that, um, that he is not afraid and that he's willing to take risks that, that nobody else will or that he'll be the first to check something out. Uh, talking about Tharn, I think one of my other favorite moments of the book is they, they come across the road and most of the rabbits have never seen it. Yeah. And they, uh, like, uh, I think it might be Big Wigger. One of the rabbits that's a little more experienced is explaining what the road is. And they say, and there's, what what was the word for it? Haruru? Is that what they call it? The Hurudu. Hurudu. Yeah, the, the motor vehicles. But they say, these things come by and they're worse at night because they just shine lights on you and you freeze yeah. in the lights. And then they kill you for no reason. <laughs> how they describe humans are the worst <laughs> humans are the worst because they don't even like eat the body they just they just freeze you in your spot and kill you <laughs> yeah i thought it was cool at the very end because he, men are always uh, kind of feared in this in this story from the beginning uh when they see the notice it's it's a notice board uh, hazel and fiverr are like foraging and they find a, a board that has a writing on it and and we find out that it's it's an announcement that this this field is going to be turned into a development. Right. Uh, but you, you were talking about how men are feared, but by, and so like the, the yeah. initial like impetus for everything is man doing something like unthinkingly towards nature. Essentially. Yes. Like, and we it, see that right. come up in a bunch of different places. And it's so, uh, it's great that at the end when Hazel is just about to be eaten by the cat, that it's humans who come and save him. And we're, I'm, I'm so glad that it doesn't turn into like a humans are the worst <laughs> kind of story. <laughs> um, it's just humans are complex and their world is so – I mean the concerns of humans are so far removed from the concerns of rabbits Yeah, uh, that it's hard to make a judgment like that, that men are good or that men are bad or that humans are good or that humans are bad. They're just – they just live a completely different life that's – that's far distant from the the concerns of the animals. Uh, should we talk about Bigwig for a little bit? Let's do talk about Bigwig. I love him. He, he's my favorite character. Um, I, and I think about it, I kind of thought of him as um, g- going back to our very first episode of this podcast, West Wing. He was Leo to Hazel's President Bartlett. So on West Wing, there's President Bartlett, but there's his very loyal best friend, Leo, who is his chief of staff. Uh-huh. Uh, and, it, it, just their relationship of complete and utter loyalty to one another and friendship with one another, but also they will ask each other to do hard things and require each other to do hard things. And, and each of them are better because the other one won't let them settle. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I don't get so much of a vibe of friendship between them or respect, I guess, as much as there is respect and, and, and just complete and utter loyalty. And that's, that's, I think that's Bigwig's, like, his defining characteristic is his loyalty to his leader. Yeah. So, I mean, we've mentioned the fight with Wound War and when he's blocking this tunnel with his body and uh, he won't come out even though he's being taunted and it, his response is like, my chief rabbit told me to stay here. And I think that trust and that loyalty is going both ways. Like, yes, uh, Hazel's running away to to solve the bigger problem, but he knows absolutely. I've told Bigwig to protect this run of the war and that has the does that has the, uh-huh. the litter of babies. 
and he's going to do that, but I've got to go do this other thing. And Big Wig says, I'm going to do this thing, and I know he's going to solve the bigger problem of the fact that we're under siege. And I'll, prob- <laughs> um, and I'll probably die, and I think Big Wig expects to die. Yes. And, and he's, he's, he thinks, even if I die, my body will be blocking up this run, and it will take them a long time to dig around me to get to the does. And that will hopefully be enough time for Hazel to get back. But Bigwig is 100% ready uh, to die in that run for, for Hazel and for those does. It's awesome. I just... <laughs> I, I, I was walking over to the school and I'm listening to this in my headphones, uh, the audible version, and I got like all choked up <laughs> when it got to the point when uh, when Bigwig is fighting Woundwart and and he just says because because Woundwart tells him he says Bigwig this is crazy we should stop fighting and you should come with me back to Ephrafa and and you will be basically my second in command and you can have all the does you want and you can have any mark you want. So you can be in charge of any section of the, of the Warren that you want and you'll live like a king for the rest of your days. <laughs> and Bigwig just says, basically he curses him in rabbit language. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but he says, basically go fly a kite. Um, I'm Hazel's guy. <laughs> so cool. I love Bigwig. And, um, I think right then we're seeing, Again, uh, both kinds of leadership where we said uh, when Woundwort was coming to Watership Down, um, which I I just need to say, I think that one clip of the show that I saw, it must have been when they're leaving Woundwort and they get onto the boat. Uh, and, and so I thought the whole book was going to be on a boat. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because it's called Watership Down. And they uh, the one clip I'd seen from an animated film had the rabbits fleeing this monstrous bad guy and getting onto a boat. I uh-huh. just assumed these were going to be sailor rabbits. They are not. <laughs> they accidentally become briefly sailor rabbits. Is it rabbits. Blackberry who calls himself a water rabbit? Yes. <laughs> um, but when Wimbor comes, we, we talked about how his troops, they are a well-oiled fighting machine. And they do exactly what he says, but it's all motivated out of fear. Yes. And Hazel... Hazel's group is much less disciplined <laughs> than uh, than uh, the rabbits from Ifrafra. Um <laughs> and, <laughs> and yet, when the push comes to shove, because they're doing it out of loyalty, they all carry out their part perfectly, yes. even though, you know, in the face of fear and fear of death, whereas many of Woundwort's rabbits run when Bigwig is actually able to stand up to him and starts to undercut Woundwort's authority. When the dog comes, Woundwort orders his, his rabbits to stay, but they all run away. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, we're seeing, uh, even as though, on the face of it, one of them is much more disciplined, that falls apart because it's not disciplined through loyalty, it's, it's disciplined through fear. Yeah. And so when a greater fear takes its place, that's it for Woundwort's leadership. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of when when Woundwort when his leadership starts to slide is when he comes out of that run and he's all beaten and bloody and he says to Vervain, "You go in." Like, go finish him off. Oh, uh, yeah. He's, you go and he tries to kind of play it cool. Like, yeah, I've like, done I've, all the I've hard I got to go part. check this wall over here. Yeah, it's like when I, uh I, I, <laughs> it's like when somebody asks asks you to um like open a jar and you open the jar all the way and then you give it back to them. I mean you open the jar jar almost all the way and then you hand it back to them and then they they can just twist the lid off. That's what he's trying to to say to Vervain basically is I've done I've opened the jar, you just go take the lid off. Uh but Vervain knows that that's not true and at that from that moment on Woundwort's 
uh, authority just crumbles around him. I think it's interesting how how Wound War is handled in the end, and that he also becomes kind of a mythical creature. So in the end of this, you hear Dandelion telling stories again. I think it's Dandelion. Maybe it's Bluebell. It but, might be one of the does, too, talking to their litter. Oh, yes, you're right. But but the rabbits are telling stories, and Hazel hears them telling the story, and he he says, that sounds familiar. And what they're doing is they're retelling his story as part of now their mythos, right? Like, he has become mm-hmm. a mythical rabbit. And, and Woundwort also kind of enters the pantheon of mythical rabbits, and he's kind of respected um, and not not completely vilified yeah like he's out there on his own fighting dogs and wolves and 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 foxes and cats and that's just that's how he kind of like Cain, like he's he's cursed to to stay on the earth but but not feared or vilified just sort of respected and a force almost like of nature yeah like he's deified it's really i thought that was really interesting that even woundwort like maintains his dignity uh, through this, even even as we see his authority crumble around him, and and he's probably just eaten by a dog. No, I was just gonna say uh, one of the other moments that I love for Bigwig is when he's on his secret mission in Ephrapha, and he feels like he's totally out of his depth because he's not a thinker; he's a fighter, and he knows now that he has to play this other this other role that's not his natural that's not his natural role, and especially when the original plan falls apart. And he's like, oh, now I, I actually have to think this all the way through. And he has Heisenthray there to kind of help him, to help steady him. But it's so, I love to see him kind of out of his element and trying to think things through. Uh, I think one of my favorite, one of my favorite moments of the book is when, when Bigwig calls Heisenthray in and they have that conversation in the night. And it's, it's really peaceful. And he, he, he knows that he cannot do this on his own. And he just takes a risk in telling her the plan, and it turns out that she's like the most perfect rabbit that he could have that he could have <laughs> spoken with. But I just thought that whole that whole sequence was so sweet and um, kind of beautifully done, and a great development of Bigwig's character in preparation for us seeing him uh, in this this face 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 off with with Woundwort later. It's just. Bigwig's character develops over the course of this novel in such a beautiful way. One last thing that I want to talk to talk about before we do this um, is how violence is treated. You know, the morality of violence, of yeah. war. Uh-huh. Um, and the first time I really started to think about this in some depth and realized that this was kind of a theme that was running through the book was in one of the stories about their mythical rabbit, El Rara. I think is how they pronounce it. Yes, I didn't listen to the audiobook, so this is just me reading the page here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's one of the tales is essentially of his Warren being under siege, and he orders all of them to kind of just stop up their holes and protect themselves while he runs to try and get help. And he goes to the home of their kind of god rabbit, right? Uh-huh. And while he's there, he's there for a long time, and he gets all sorts of wounds. He gets his ears cut off. He gets his tail cut off. He, he's hurt badly. But he he essentially, like, proves himself enough that the god rabbit says, I'm going to go take care of Warren. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so the god rabbit goes and does that. And then El Rahara and his friend, 
Um, I can't remember his friends, but they make a slow journey back. Like it takes them a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, essentially like a whole generation of rabbits passes away, which he says in the book is really only like two or three years, but, um, <laughs> but, but they get there and there's this young generation that are playing and he kind of greets them and, and they, he asks like, you know, how, how were, you know, how'd the war go? <laughs> like you guys were at war when I left and the young rabbits say, oh, war is stupid. We're in peace. You know, if, if, if people wouldn't fight with each other, there'd be no point in war. And, and one was like, my grandpa goes on and on about the war sometimes. And, <laughs> and I just ignore him. And, uh, it made me think about our relationship with war, particularly because this book was published in 72 and the author was a veteran of world war two. Yes. And I'm wondering I, like I know in the U.S., obviously our relationship with war shifted greatly <laughs> between World War II and the Vietnam War in the '60s, and yeah. the attitudes start, uh, towards war. But I think this book is making a pretty strong straight, uh, statement that war is horrible, but it's necessary at times. Yeah, a- and violence is going to hurt both the people enacting the violence and the people receiving the violence. And if it can be avoided, it should. Like Hazel goes out to try and uh, make a treaty with Wound War before. They start fighting, Mm -hmm. but once it becomes clear that the treaty is not an option, then violence is necessary. Yeah, justified. Yeah, Uh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it in in terms of its historical context, but I think you're spot on. It is. It's the natural. It's the natural world. I I I mentioned Lawrence of Arabia earlier, and there's a scene in Lawrence of Arabia when he has to kill a guy, um, to kind of prove his uh, strength as a leader. And he knows that if he doesn't, that that he'll be that he'll lose all of his credibility. Um, and when I watched that the first time, I remember just how shocking it was—the kind of the stark violence of that of that scene. And there's that that kind of feeling throughout this book. It's it's interesting to think about in a book that's as long as this. And my version was like I don't know 500 pages or something. Um, yeah, mine was well over 400 pages. To think about the compression of time. Like they go on this epic, epic journey, and then you realize that they've been gone like two days. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and again, because the rabbit's life is two to three years. It's so, so short. Yeah. yeah. The, and these rabbits that that seem like adult, ra- I mean, they're adults, but they are really, you know, six months to like Bigwig is Bigwig is in the Ausla because I think you have to be a year old before you're even considered for the Ausla. And that's why Hazel's not Ausla because he's not even a year old. <laughs> and I just, I think that's, that's so interesting that he and Fiverr are like six months old. Yeah. I, I um, I've heard this book, like when I was glancing through, through, uh, for trivia, I saw some people comparing this to like a Greek myth of like the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the journey, you've got the companions that are gained and lost. You, you have all these tales of, of gods essentially throughout. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's some very specific, uh, interplay between the story of Hazel and Bigwig and the story of El Arach and his, what, what's the other rabbit's friend? I, I can't, can't remember. He has a friend that's name. with him on, he has, he has like a co, a co-captain that runs with him everywhere. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, but it's also, like you said, at the same time, like the, the, they talk about this tremendous journey, but they're inside of their destination the entire time. <laughs> like where they end was pretty much in the sight line of their original Warren. Yeah. Uh, it's but, not far, but the scale of the bunnies, you know, and their travel and how long it takes. And as you said, uh, within also the time dilation of a two year lifespan and what's epic in a two year lifespan. It, uh, it, it changes everything. I think it's one uh, of my- the great achievements of this book is that it gets to something that we've, 
we've discussed, I, I feel like a few different times recently, um, but maybe more in our quick casts than in this regular podcast. But um, this idea that for a story to be epic or it, it has to like the whole fate of the world has to be uh, at, at stake. Uh, and this, like the only thing that stake is, is at stake is the life of a few rabbits. Which is yeah. which is nothing, but it feels like I mean you read reviews of this book and it is compared to the Odyssey and the Lord of the Rings. I mean it it feels so epic. Uh but in the end it's so it's so concentrated. Like the time is concentrated, the the space is concentrated, and it it just it's beautiful it feels epic. Not because of what's at stake, but because of the way that it's written and the and the way in which we care about these these rabbits. I mean, I remember thinking halfway through, I'm like, "Well, this book feels like it's over, but there's no there's no little lady rabbits. There's no does. <laughs> like they have to. They can't end here. Like they have to. They have to continue on, and and feeling concerned about about these." these bucks finding their does and knowing that they have to have some other crazy adventure and being so excited about that. Um, in such contrast to like, Oh, I watched the X-Men age of apocalypse this, this week. And like, I mean, talk about <laughs> uh, something that should feel epic and yet feels kind of flat. It stops to feel like it matters anymore with the big summer spectacles when everything is about the end of the world. Yeah. Like here's Apocalypse it, and you got Magneto who's like ripping all of the metal out of the earth. <laughs> and it's like, I just don't really care about this right now. I cared way more about Hazel and Fiverr and Bigwig than I than I do about Apocalypse ripping the world apart. Yeah, I agree. So Todd, did you, uh, you listen to the audiobook, right? Yes. So my print book, it had a map. Did yours have, did you have a print book at all? Uh, I did for the first, uh, for the first half. What I'll tell you what was happening. And this is just everybody that's maybe interested thinking maybe on the audible fence. Um, you get, you pay $15 a month, but you get a book every single month. So uh, I, I hesitate to call it a free book because you're paying $15 for it. Uh, but my, my time, my, my, my first month was up just as I was like halfway through this book. And as soon as I was, uh, it was available for me to get a new book, I got picked up Watership Down. Um, and so I, I read the first half and I listened to the second. Okay. Well, we established back in the Kilkenny episode that I love books with maps. Oh yes, absolutely. Detailing uh, the location. But the only thing better is um, cross sections of large buildings in comic books. I love those when you get the secret <laughs> bases. But um, talking about the scale of this, uh, the map that's in this book, it is of... Um, where the river is and where, uh, Ifrafa is <laughs> uh -huh. and, and like the massive and where the, the you know, there's a, a railway that's cutting across this field uh -huh. and it gives you like that field and it talks of, it gives you the path of big wigs run and, uh, wound warts run like with little dots showing how they like, fought and then where they separated and then came back together right at the the bridge. But like in the book, like this is this epic run and everything. And this map, it says scale one inch equals about 200 yards <laughs> and it's uh, six inches by about three inches, three, three and a half inches. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the it's. I think they say at, at one point that it's like three miles from the original Warren to the Watership Down, and that and that may even be bigger than what your map says. But it's not a big, it's not a big thing. And and if you think about it, like when was the last time you were driving down the highway and you saw a dead rabbit like in the middle of the road? It means nothing to us. Like we see that all the time. I've run over rabbits myself <laughs> living in rural Utah, but like. There, we have no emotional investment in this. The only reason that we care is because it's a beautifully, beautifully written story that follows a pattern that we're familiar with, the hero's journey. I mean, this follows the hero's journey but really, really closely and, and feels epic, not because somebody has told us, this is really big and important, but because he's created characters that we care about and put them into a story that's, that's interesting and engaging. But it's not like all of Rabbitdom will die if if Hazel doesn't doesn't manage to you know get his group together. The only thing that will happen is a rabbit will die, and rabbits die every single day. <laughs> and even yeah. for the rabbits, as you mentioned earlier, like they'll they 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 free all the does, and there's all this crazy stuff going on: the lightning and thunder and the rain, and they're escaping. And Kehar is attacking uh, Woundwart from above, and this is crazy, beautiful um, like battle scene and escape. And then, and then they say, "Oh, uh, we lost one of the does. Like she just kind of wandered off in the night and and died in the way of animals, right? That she yeah. she goes off to be by herself and dies. And and they're like, well, circle of life, you know? <laughs> like we're not <laughs> all gonna make out of here alive. And even for them, the stakes. It seems like for them, the stakes are lower than they are for us. And it all goes uh, to the author and his ability to create this amazing, beautiful, compelling story." Right. So I've, um, in working on the book I'm doing on Frazier, I was reading from, uh, I want to say his name is Isaac Davies. He's a television writer, but he, he had, um, an essay about writing for television. And he, he said like the biggest mistake that I see over and over and over again is people tell me about a plot and plot does not drive a story. It is all about the characters and uh-huh. what the characters want and what their flaws are and how those interact is what is going to create the story, not the plot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and with this, we get these rabbits that are all really well-defined. They have their desires. We understand their desires. We understand the personal stakes to them. And because of that, we care. Yes. Um, whereas something with like X-Men Apocalypse, I really couldn't tell you what Apocalypse's desire was. <laughs> <laughs> or or why he cared about trying to destroy the world and remake it or you know why did that matter to him but we know why this matters to Fiverr and to Hazel and to Bigwig at every every line of dialogue they're speaking and who is the most compelling character in that film in my opinion Magneto why because i know what he went through and like all of those scenes with him and his wife and his daughter where there's no cg <laughs> there's like all, practically no special effects it's just these three people living in this little hut out in the woods that's all that's the most beautiful part of that film by far in my yeah, opinion i agree uh and because we're because we get real character development and we understand uh what what's going on with this guy um and we care about him until he until he hooks up with apocalypse that we don't care about him anymore. <laughs> um but yeah I, I think just the contrast of these two stories is is amazing so I I love I loved Watership Down. It's um it's high on my list of new favorite books. Yeah, I I agree. I was way more into it than I expected to be when it was suggested. 
So thank you, listener Tommy, for asking for a book that neither of us had read. It's not too common that we get <laughs> to tackle. <laughs> Although it seems to be that, increasingly more common <laughs> <laughs> that neither of us are familiar with. Yeah. Uh, so so thank you, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And listeners, if you have not read Watership Down, uh, it is it is fantastic. I'd, I'd go get your hands on a copy. I'm sure your local library has it, uh, or you can order it from Amazon.com/slash protagonist. And uh, also, like, slash, did I get that right? It's a uh, protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. Okay, backwards, as usual. <clears throat> That's all right. Um, no, what I, what I was going to say was it's, um, it's a great story to read to your kids or to have uh, to, to just like pop in the audiobook while you're driving. We did that. We, we went for a drive the other night and the kids, um, we're getting restless and I didn't want to put a movie on for them. And I said, let's listen to this story. And we start, they're like, I don't want to listen to this boring story. And then and like five minutes in, they're like, wait, what's happening? Tell us about these rabbits. And, and I would give them kind of a quick summary of, because it's, it's written in a grown up enough way that it, I think it's, it would be hard for the littlest kids to understand without some, you know, guidance. Mm-hmm. But but they were totally into the story. Now what's going to happen next? Where are they going to go? Yeah, it's it's awesome. All right, real quick before we wrap up, listeners, we got two notes for you. First, uh, if you would like to get ahead and read something before we have our discussion, the next novel we already have scheduled out, it is going to be The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Did I get the name right, Todd? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so if you'd like, you could listen to that. You could go get an audible free version of that, or you could order it from Amazon. And Todd, do you have uh, any bit of advice for our listeners about ordering things through Amazon? Well, um, I was talking to one of our listeners the other day and they were under the impression that they're only helping the show. They're only supporting the show if they buy something that's related to the show. And that is just not the case. If, if you go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon, it looks like regular Amazon store and you can buy anything. And we get a kickback from that, uh, which is really nice. It doesn't cost you anything. It just takes a little bit of money out of Amazon's pocket and puts it in ours. Uh, so if you if you really want to support the show, you could just bookmark that, protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. And then everything you buy on Amazon, uh, we would get a little kickback from it, which is awesome for us. We'd especially encourage you to remember to do that uh, come you know around about November when holiday shopping starts. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. So thank you listeners for joining us and please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in iTunes and leave us a review there. That helps us to get new listeners and also helps us to feel like we're actually doing something that's being appreciated out there in the world. Uh, links to all the things that we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com. And you can also go there to see a list of all of our previous episodes. It is an increasingly long list. We're <laughs> closing in on a hundred, but uh, yeah, we're closing in on a hundred. So uh, you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. And we're all also on Twitter. You can go to at protagonistpod at Todd K Mac or at Jay Dorowski and our producer, Andrew, who wasn't with us for the recording tonight. So we never had him pop in to say anything, but he is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And he's the one that's going to make it possible for you to hear this, uh, this episode. So thank you to him. And you can also go to our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash protagonist 
this podcast. We've had some really great discussions happening there. So please go join in and leave us a comment if you enjoyed this episode. And if you like the show and want to support us uh, financially, there are a few different ways that you can do that. You can buy a topic for us to discuss or just give a little monetary donation by going to the support link on our homepage or just typing in patreon.com slash protagonist. And please don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. And we also appreciate everyone who has been using uh, protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon for your Amazon purchases. It makes no difference to you or the amount that you are paying, but it gives us just a tiny bit of help to keep paying for web hosting fees and other costs associated with doing this podcast. So thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. Way to go. One take. Uh, that was a one take. I did you wear one take? You did. <laughs> Andrew's gonna be so proud of Way me. Way to go. This was hold on. I did this something that Andrew was annoyed by, so I'm gonna give him a second to edit that out. <laughs> Andrew, we love you. <laughs> yes. He's not here today. I'm sorry, I'm giving him extra work.